The first lines from our partners over at FanDuel, they favor the Texas Longhorns. Is that reasonable? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, it's line season. We're getting early odds, early lines from our partners over at FanDuel. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. The Oklahoma Sooners opened at a plus four underdog to the Texas Longhorns in the Red River Showdown in October. Since then, that line has moved to Texas minus five and a half. Texas being a five and a half point favorite over the Oklahoma Sooners. Which means what, Josh? Well, first off, it's great to be with you, as always, John. Secondly, it means, hey, we've got some some futures to talk about. Thank you, FanDuel Sportsbook. We love the content that you are providing here. It, it means a couple of things. Obviously, it sets the off-season stage for people are expecting more out of Texas. The odds makers are expecting more out of Texas going into this 2023 season, which... Look, it shouldn't be surprising that that's the case. Oklahoma's coming off of a disappointing six and seven season. And though the circumstances, John, lent themselves to a Texas-sized beatdown in the Cotton Bowl just this past season, 49 to nothing being the, the tune of it, we do have to remember what the circumstances were. Dylan Gabriel did not play in this game. So the circumstances going into assuming right now everything being played on paper, right? Obviously, you could hypothetically, theoretically go into this game, and I'm not trying to create some nightmare scenario for everybody out there again, but theoretically, there's there's that possibility where injury could set itself up to where you don't have a Dylan Gabriel in this game again. Who knows? Maybe it's so nasty you don't have a Jackson Arnold in this game. I don't want to wind up in that. I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to be in that world. But uh, ultimately, it kind of sets up, I think, to the opposite, John, to where Oklahoma gets to come into this game, clearly with a chip on its shoulder. John, this thing opened Texas minus four. It's gotten bet up a point and a half in the Texas direction. So it tells us a couple of things. Again, in closing and opening here, Texas is going to be the favorite going into this thing, right? It, it, at least going into the season, not necessarily going into the game because obviously things can happen between now and then. But the perception is that Texas is a better football team going into next season. Oklahoma, all off season, they get to play that they don't like us card. In Oklahoma in that position, historically, it's worked out well. I do think it is a good place for them to be because there were high expectations going into last season and they didn't meet those now to take a step back and be like, okay, we've got something to prove both to ourselves, to the college football world. I think that's not a bad place. I mean, they, they need a bit of a chip on their shoulder. 
the difference is huge that you're going to have Dylan Gabriel. And even if you don't have Dylan Gabriel, you've got a much more capable quarterback to replace Gabriel in the Red River Showdown if it's Jackson or Arnold that's going to be playing if Gabriel is not available. So you already have a much, much better quarterback situation that you feel much more comfortable with going into next season than you did this past season where you didn't feel comfortable letting um, Davis Bevel, I forgot his name for a second, Davis Bevel throw the football very regularly. And again, this is kind of one of the criticisms we had of Jeff Levy and the offensive staff from the season that was pretty good is that they did not have their backup quarterback prepared to play in that game. And it seemed early in the week that Dylan Gabriel wasn't going to play and they still didn't have a plan uh, except for running Wildcat. So I like Oklahoma. I kind of like the Oklahoma plus five and a half points in this. Uh, We've seen this game regularly play pretty tight and I don't really see much reason why it won't this year. Texas will be the favorite though. They're going to be one of the favorites to win the big 12 this year. Probably them, Kansas State. You might even throw Texas Tech out there as one of the favorites. But I don't think Oklahoma is going to be that far off. But I do think that there are going to be a lot of people that buy into Texas and are going to continue to bet this thing up. Where at at some point you could see Texas as a touchdown favorite when we get to Red River week. But I do think that Oklahoma is a much closer football team than a 49-0 shutout that we saw last year. They're a much better team than that. Would they have won the game? Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe they would have. Who knows? I don't think we can really know because of the way that that whole thing transpired. By halftime, it was pretty much over. And because of that, I mean, how much, what kind of a defensive effort did you really get in the second half? Because you knew your offense wasn't going to be able to do anything. Again, everything sets up much better for this team to be better this year. Oh, and you don't have to deal with Bajan Robinson anymore. So there's a win for you if you're Oklahoma and you've you know supplemented your defensive talent through the transfer portal you got some talent on the offensive side of the football as well so again Oklahoma might be an underdog but I like them going into this one a little bit better especially if you tell me that Dylan Gabriel is going to be healthy for the game there's uh, a ton of other lines that we can get to that are kind of interesting that we can kick around I do want to just continue to drill down on this just a little bit further with Oklahoma and Texas. What what does just the overarching line mean to you? The the movement mean for you? The early money clearly has come in on Texas. So what does that tell you that first of all it opened Texas minus 4 and that again that early movement this isn't quote unquote sharps movement on this line. I mean we're talking about this just came out and it's day 1, but what does it tell you that at least that early flow of money came in and, and moved this thing a point and a half in Texas's direction to Texas minus five and a half. That people are buying that Texas is back, that people are buying that Texas is close to a touchdown favorite over the Sooners as things stand right now. And I don't see that changing much in Oklahoma's favor. I think if the line starts to get to seven and a half or so that maybe the bets start going in on the other going in the other way. But people getting in on something where they think, okay, Texas is, you know, maybe a better team. But even if they're not necessarily a better team, people like the the minus four because all you got to do is win by by six, win by a touchdown. Uh, I mean, technically you got to win by, you know, four and a half. Or, but as the lines moved, you've been able to stay within that movement if you believe that Texas is a touchdown better than Oklahoma going into next season. Which, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to think that, and. I, 
and that's going to be the push all off season is that Texas is going to be the favorite. Oklahoma is going to be trying to catch up to several teams in the big 12. I just don't think it's going to be that much different. Um, I do think that things will be better. Yeah. You lost some talent in Eric gray and Marvin Mims, but again, bullish on Jaleel Farouk. Everybody's excited about Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. This is going to be a really good offense, much better than a team that didn't score any points. The defense is going to, going to be much better. They're not giving up 49 points to Texas. So to me, it says, okay, people are buying the line. And I mean, we've already heard the buzz on Texas. And so that movement is Vegas kind of adjusting a little bit saying, or FanDuel adjusting a little bit saying, okay, everybody's throwing a lot of money on Texas. Let's adjust it. Let's see what the money still looks like. But I do think that that'll still, that's not going to impede people from betting Texas minus five and a half. I think it'd have to get again to a touchdown and a half, seven and a half points before the money started to flow on Oklahoma. Is the public right? Is this fair? Is it, does it make sense in your mind why it's, it started out this way? Where are you at with that? Because to me, I look at it and I'm not going to say that. I'm, I mean, look, Oklahoma was six and seven a season ago and had a ton of defensive problems. And there's at least signs that Steve Sarkeesian has clearly got Texas in a more stabilized spot than we've seen Texas in, in, you know, a decade plus is uh, time since Mac Brown, you know, obviously the end of his tenure when it started really going downhill. But then again, I've not seen a ton from Texas that makes me feel like they're comfortably a full touchdown better than Oklahoma going into this season where I can't sort of chalk it up to, yeah, that was just sort of a bad year for Oklahoma. And oh, by the way, they didn't have Dylan Gabriel in that game. So I get why it moved the way that it moved. But uh, again, is all of this fair play in your mind? Does it make sense to you? I do. I think so. I think Texas is kind of on a bit of a linear pro- uh, progression right now. You know, um, five and seven the first year, eight and five this last year. There's a chance that they're a 10 win team in 2023. I hate that. I mean, I don't want to see that, obviously, but I think it's it's well within the realm of possibility, especially in a very wide open Big 12. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Texas is better than what they were a year ago. I do think the two teams are closer, but I I think that based on what Oklahoma did in 2022 and what Texas did, and given that Texas did have a really strong transfer portal class as well, that probably if you just base it off 2022 and then the recruiting things, you know, Texas is just a, a little bit ahead. You know, they might not be a big, you know, a, a big margin or a significant margin better than Oklahoma. But again, five and a half points is not a significant margin on a neutral field. So I think it's fair. I think it's reasonable. I do think that Oklahoma plays this a little bit closer than five and a half. You know, I, I think they are, a, I think they're close. I, I think they're two teams that are going to be in that same tier of big 12 teams fighting for a big 12 title this season. And uh, I mean, as good as Texas was last year, I do think having Quinn Ewers coming back to be the starter allows him an off season to, I mean, so he's been on a weird kind of trajectory, his high school career or since his high school career, you know, left South Lake in August, uh, went to Ohio state, didn't really have an off season with Ohio state 
when he was there and then transferred to Texas had one off season and was the starter. Um, and then, so now he's going into his second off season with the Longhorns. If we think that like Dylan Gabriel is going to be better because he's now experienced power five level, going to get a full lot, another full off season with Jeff Levy, his wide receivers, things like that. The same is going to be true. I think for Quinn Ewers who didn't really have a great connection with Xavier worthy, maybe some more time spent this off season to prepare for 2023 gives them a little bit better connection and they're able to start hitting on some of those big plays that they missed last year. So I, I do think that there, there is reason to believe that Texas is going to be good and better than they were last year. Uh, despite losing a guy like Bajan Robinson, DeMarvi, DeMarvian overshone some really uh, Mojo or Moro Ojomo, sorry. Um, some really good players. They're bringing in really good players too. I mean, that's, the recruiting is not an issue. The ta- the transfer portal is not an issue for Texas, but I do think Oklahoma's close. I, I know I hate I know we hate to use that word close, but I think Oklahoma's right there, and I think the lines will reflect that. They'll fluctuate. We'll see Texas. I think we'll see Texas grow um, over the off season because again, the hype train, the Longhorns hype train will continue to be there all off season until we get to the beginning of the season, and then as games play out. And Oklahoma has a great chance to start the season, what, four or five and oh, before going into the Red River showdown. You might see that line shrink a little bit, shrink back to five and a half. So it wouldn't surprise me again to see it go to like seven and a half and then come back down to five and a half, four and a half. And just to give you a little bit of national perspective, uh, I was thinking maybe a fan duel sandwich tonight where we could open OU Texas and then close with some of these other national lines. But ultimately I think we got too much Oklahoma stuff that we need to get to tonight. So maybe just we'll, we'll table that second half of the fan duel spread for another day. But one piece of it I can share with you right now, Alabama, just to give you a little bit of national perspective here, still a nine and a half point favorite over Texas. So that kind of gives you a little bit of the idea of, okay, here's what they think about Alabama right now in in relation to Texas, and obviously take that and correlate it how you will to what that means, uh, Alabama to Texas to Oklahoma, right? So uh, clearly, at least for now, there's some some serious, serious gap between what the perception of Alabama to Oklahoma is. I will say this, as right on the money as they could be on Texas, they could be that wrong on the money on Texas right now. I mean, there's the history of this thing, John, over the last decade. There's every reason to believe that uh, this is just dead wrong on Oklahoma and that it's it's a great time to get in while the getting's good. Speaking of getting in while the getting is good, you can do so. We're at the midway point of the NBA season, and it's FanDuel Sportsbook where you can get after it make every moment more midway point of the nba season obviously we're, we're here we're past it now's the perfect time to download the FanDuel app america's number one sports book because new customers you get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars what does that mean that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. All of those fun little props that uh, you, you want to get down on for the NBA season, you can do that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on that's fanduel.com backslash locked on to learn more 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. There's always crudent, always crudent news to be keeping tabs on, John. And there's one little piece out there that actually isn't isn't directly Oklahoma related, but it's easy to see why people are pulling one piece of yarn from one side to the other and, oh, we're going to solve this murder mystery. And anyways, I'll let you explain to the listeners, to the viewers, what exactly I'm referring to. Yeah, so 2024 four-star quarterback Marcos Davila was committed to TCU when Garrett Riley was the offensive coordinator there. Garrett Riley is no longer the offensive coordinator. He's gone on to Clemson, going to be coordinating for Cade Klubnik and the Tigers. Uh, And Davila has decommitted from TCU, making mention that, hey, it's my offensive coordinator that I committed to is no longer here. That's the big story. At the same time, you do got Michael Hawkins kind of showing a little bit of favor towards the TCU Horn Frogs since Kendall Bryles moved from Arkansas to the Frogs in Fort Worth. So there is there's room for Michael Hawkins in Fort Worth with Marcos Davila decommitting. Now, there probably always would have been room, even if Davila would have stayed committed. But he's got a nice host of offers himself. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a kid with again 20 you know he's a four-star player he's got AM offers colorado offer miami offer uh, mississippi state oklahoma state you uh university of houston like this is a dude that is being heavily regarded he's out of midland legacy um just talented prospect um and so the question is though how much does this open the door for michael hawkins again i think the door was always open whether davila was there or not uh, they've been actively recruiting him. They're part of the same recruiting class. Sonny Dykes wouldn't be doing that if he didn't think that there was going to be space for either both of them, or if he thought Davila might decommit and go elsewhere. So yeah, I mean, there's, there could be a bit of it, a bit of Michael Hawkins is going to Fort Worth to it. But I think this is more on the surface, on the level with what Davila is saying, like it's just about Garrett Riley. And so I'm going to take him at his word on that. And again, Michael Hawkins, the Oklahoma Sooners, they still have a very strong relationship. And as we've talked with John Garcia of the Locked On Network and Parker Thunavo, you insider 247 Sports, that relationship's tight. And what they and what what Jeff Levy and Michael Hawkins have is a good relationship. It's strong. So I don't think this means necessarily anything specific towards Hawkins, but it's just an interesting little nugget there for sure. Yeah, I don't know if we totally connect the dots just yet. But uh, obviously, if we get on down the road and Hawkins commits to TCU, then ding, 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 probably that's what happened, as they said. Look, we've we've got Hawkins on board, and may, maybe it's worth exploring somewhere else. I don't know if we're, we're to that point yet, and I'm like you. I'm going to take him at his word because, look, the for a quarterback, John, we, I think, experienced this pretty obviously, pretty uh, intimately in a sense with, uh, well, it was the head coach, but it was basically your offensive coordinator in Lincoln Riley who recruited Caleb Williams to Oklahoma. He came here for the head coach. He came here for the quarterback's coach. He came here for the OC, and he left with the head coach. He left with the quarterback's coach. He left with the OC. So for quarterbacks in college football, and you know, I'm sure that we could find plenty of examples in the National Football League too, right? 
you want to be with a, but especially so in college football, more so in college football, where the, the offensive coordinator or a specific quarterbacks coach comes into your home, meets your family, and you feel that sense of belonging to said offensive coordinator. And then when said offensive coordinator is no longer there, then it's, it's time from a recruiting standpoint to rethink your options. So I like you, I'm going to take them at face value though. I'd be lying to you right now. All of you uh, watching along, listening along. If I didn't say, okay, antennas perked up just a little bit here. Let's hope that's not the case though, because as you and I were discussing before we started taping the show, there's a, a certain somebody that has reclassified that we think is pretty, pretty closely connected to Hawkins that if Oklahoma is still in a good standing with Hawkins and he winds up picking Oklahoma, we could have another talented tight end coming to uh, OU. Yeah. So according to my guy, Brian Cruz um, and you know, others have it out there as well. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Blanking on the name. Uh, Davin Mitchell is reclassifying from the 2025 class to the 2024 class. Him and Michael Hawkins are really tight. Davin Mitchell is very high on Oklahoma. You go to like on three in their recruiting prediction machine. They've got Oklahoma number one. Um, you go to 247 Sports and you look at the, the schools that he's quote unquote warm on. It's Alabama and Oklahoma. So it's possible that these two guys want to come in together and, and be at Oklahoma for – their the entirety of their career. Uh, so I think there's definitely some something to that. Um, but they may or may not be a package deal. It's hard to say. Um, but the fact that he's reclassifying might open the door for them both to come to Oklahoma at the same time. The delay in Michael Hawkins probably concerns me more than the decommitment of Davila. Just kind of back to that note. But yeah, I do think that there might be something to Mitchell and Hawkins being in the same recruiting class now and where that could go for the Sooners. Yeah. And when you hear package deal, a lot of times it is just that and folks are in the know and they've got it right on the nose, right on the money that it's a package deal. And the reclassification is because, Hey, I want to play with Mr. Hawkins and that all makes sense. And, you know, I just think a lot of times, and this is a silly exercise in some ways, John, because guess what? I, I wasn't playing college football. But I do still, when we think through some of this stuff, relate it to my own life experiences. And I wanted to go to the University of Kansas because, well, in part, I grew up in Kansas. My best friends were going to the University of Kansas. So it just made sense. So that part, I'll always put a little bit of stock into that. But obviously, a package deal can be, you know, it can change along the way when when each maybe has a destination that, uh, that they prefer over the other. I'm just blown away. The amount of guys that we see now, John, reclassifying. Again, thinking about my own la- life experiences, I don't know that I was ever talented or good enough at any one thing at that age to even consider the idea. Like, I was always blown away in high school with the kids in your class that were smart enough to have already passed all their classes. Oh, yeah, th- that 15-year-old, yeah, they're two semesters in in college. What? How is that possible? Yeah, and these kids are they're doing – you know, high level athletics and getting through all their coursework. Now you can, you can graduate in certain you know degree plans without kind of achieving the, the strictest you know requirements. Like you can short yourself a language credit or a language year or a math or science year and get done a little bit early. But a lot of times, like, you know, if you're doing academics, you need to have 
you know, extra years of language or math or science or whatever it is. So, I mean, I, I remember back that back to high school and I was trying to talk my parents into like, Oh mom, dad, I don't, I only need like two years of science. I'm just going to get the basic high school you know, diploma I can get blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you're going to take these classes because it's going to be better for college. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks mom and dad. It, it was. Um, so it, it's interesting. And I think, you know, Parker Thune over at OU Insider 247 Sports, you know, has a report on it too. He says he's expecting to reclassify into 2024. He's going to get an official visit this summer, according to Thune. And uh, the big unquantified variable is Michael Hawkins, Mitchell's former teammate at Allen High. The two are very close. And if Hawkins picks Oklahoma next month, it will put the Sooner squarely in the driver's seat for Mitchell as well. And I believe Parker believes they already lead for the six foot four, 245 pound tight end extraordinaire. Always has such a way with words. Uh, if Hawkins goes to TCU, all bets are off. But if Oklahoma locks him down, it only adds another huge bullet point for the Sooners pitch to Mitchell. Uh, and, you know, Joe John Finley being kind of the, the lead in the recruiting effort. I think that's huge for Oklahoma. I mean, they've, they've done a good job landing tight ends in his time with the Sooners. But, I mean, Sonny Dykes, Malcolm Kelly is not the tight ends coach, but the wide receivers coach. They're really good recruiters as well. So it'll be an interesting battle if Hawkins ends up picking TCU uh, to go there. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you're subscribed to the show over on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.